1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. We're going to jump into a conversation about empty nesters with Joni DeBrito. She has recently retired from the role of director of parenting and youth, and she's now working on the counseling team as a hope restored aftercare coach. And she's got lots to say to parents of grown children. Good morning to you, Joni. Good morning. All right, Joni, uh, we're going to be talking empty nester stuff here with you about maybe how we can approach marriage and parenting once the kids are out of the nest. And mm-hmm. uh, just uh, so you know, um, my jaded outlook as you start talking is we're supposed to be empty nesters, but we're not right now. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But <laughs> what are some of the common challenges of becoming an empty nester? And how do you actually step into this new season in a healthy way? Well, actually, what you just mentioned is one of the challenges, and that is that people begin to look toward the time when their kids are going to be gone, and sometimes they actually aren't, or they're gone, and then they come back. So one of the things you have to think about when you're considering being an empty nester is how to spend that time in a quality way with your spouse when your kids are not there, but to recognize that very often, especially in this day and age, they will come back, you know, the most recent example of that was COVID, that there were many people who lost their jobs and they lost their apartments or, you know, their living situation. And so they would have been out on the street or alone during COVID. So they moved back with their parents. So there are a lot of different reasons that kids may move back. But as you prepare and you anticipate being an empty nester, it's a really good idea to start talking about How are we going to be spending our time? How can we begin to pour back into our relationships since the um, day-to-day duties of parenting have been relieved at least for a while? And um, how can we learn more about each other? Because, you know, as we are raising children, we change as well. And sometimes when it comes to that time when you are alone together, again, as a couple, you look at each other and say, who are you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not sure I recognize you from the person that I married. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's a a great new time to discover new things about your spouse. 
Wow, that is just awesome. You're hearing the voice of Joni DeBrito. And Joni, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about this because, again, this is the season of life that I'm in, and many of our listeners maybe find themselves in the exact same thing. And my wife and I are married. Uh, it'll be 33 years coming up in May. And we got married because we wanted to spend the rest of our life together, but we spent 30 years apart parenting, you know? And <laughs> yes, they talk about yes. parenting, you know, and I think parenting doesn't really begin until you have at least three children because <laughs> you can do one-on-one when you have have two children but when you have three you've got to play zone defense right so you're always <laughs> running around doing something and i don't think we mean to not focus on the relationship between husband and wife but we kind of fall out of it as we're parenting and kind of chasing our kids around and and so just how do we reconnect uh in the marriage relationship throughout that process and beyond Well, obviously, one of the best things is to be intentional about having time together every single week. You know, one of the things that I've seen as a marriage and family therapist is I'll often ask couples, how much time are you actually spending together during the week? And, of course, these are couples in crisis. And, honestly, it's not unusual for them to sit down and take inventory and realize that they spend somewhere between 20 minutes and an hour together during the week, other than the fact that they're sleeping in the same bed. But most of the time, they're asleep. (laughs) So that's not really quality time. And so couples really need to be intentional about finding those times to talk, to connect, etc., even if it is only 20 minutes, but 20 minutes a day where you get up a little bit earlier or you stay up a little bit later or whatever to connect. And then as kids start to leave home, you start adding to that time. So one leaves home and you add a little bit more and two leave home and you add a little bit more and three leave home and now you have even more time together. Mm-hmm. All right. We're talking with Joni DeBrito about the empty nest years. And you talk about uh, handling this period in a healthy way. And uh, that helps us to understand that there's an unhealthy way. I've, I've definitely seen um, uh, parents, especially moms, who who have a really hard time letting go of those kids. And they want those kids to stay their friends and, and to spend time mm-hmm. with them. And it puts a lot of pressure on the kids. Would that be an unhealthy way? Really, it does. We have to have really good boundaries with our adult children. It's important for them to have their lives and for us to have our lives. And, of course, they're going to intersect at times in very healthy ways. But, for example, I live... um, just a a little over a mile away from my daughter and son-in-law who have my two grandchildren. And um, when we were going to be moving in the community, we were actually intending to move further away, but they were the ones who said, oh, we'd love to have you closer. And so I said, okay, that's fine, but you need to know we are never going to just show up on your doorstep. We are never going to impose. We're never going to be at your home unless you've asked us or we've scheduled a time to be there. And we would appreciate the same from you. And we've now been living in the same area for about four years. And I think the only time that I ever imposed was when I was on a bike ride and I really had to go to the bathroom and their house was closer than mine. (laughs) But other than that, we've always been very respectful of those boundaries. Um, And, you know, I, I obviously get to see them fairly often and get to see my grandchildren often, which is great. But it's by their choice. So, so I don't say, hey, you know, um, you know, we need to have the kids over because we haven't seen them for a week or something like that. We'll say, hey, we kind of miss the kids. We haven't seen them for a while. Can we have them over? And if they say no, I'll say, okay, that's just fine. They always say yes, but <laughs> it's a break for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if they say no, 
once in a while they say no for a very good reason. And I just say, okay, thank you very much. You know, just let us know if there's any time within the next couple of weeks or something like that. So, um, so you have to have those good boundaries. And what I think is most important is for parents to let their adult children take the lead. So say, let us know if you need us. Let us know if, you know, you want to do something with us, etc. We may throw an invitation out to you as well, but don't ever feel like you're obligated to do something with us. You have every right to say no. We're speaking with Joni DeBrito, and you know, she has retired from the role of Director of Parenting and Youth, and she's now becoming the personal counselor for Tom McElligot on Mornings <laughs> with Tom and Tommy about learning how to parent adult children. And Joni, um, as we're dealing with this, and my wife and I are dealing with this right now, we've got kids in the age range of 29 to 21, and you know, I'm having no problem with my older adult children, but the younger one, I'm having a rough time in the parenting with this relationship right now, and and I know that there's differences between the way we parent our oldest kids, our middle kids, and our younger kids, but but what are some tips we can use uh, as our kids, maybe our youngest, are moving into adulthood? Well, one of the things is to have open conversations with them and talk with them a little bit about what their preferences are and how they're doing and so forth. Most kids are really wanting to be able to live independently, even if they're not able to. Mm. And so even within your own home, is that daughter, is it a daughter or son? It's a daughter. Daughter, who's, is she living with you? Yes. Okay, so even living in the same home, you can start creating those good boundaries within the house. So you can say, you know, we, you know, it's great having you here and so forth, but, you know, how do you feel about your privacy, the amount of time you have alone, that sort of thing, and kind of talk that through and see. And you might find that she desires more privacy than she's getting or um, that she may want to at times you know, eat meals by herself or maybe go out with a friend or something like that. And the more that you can help her to um, make those good social connections outside of the home and encourage that, probably the better things will get in terms of just that separation and having those good tight boundaries around your relationship and then also that each of you have some of your own alone time and own privacy as well. Wow, that's fantastic advice. And seems like uh, that's been the theme for our conversation with you, Joni, is a good, healthy boundaries at any level. Yeah, I mean, and this is really good. I hope that you can really turn things around for Tom and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and others. You know, Tom, I'll tell you something funny is that when my uh, one of my daughters came back to live with us, she was actually very ill. I think I might have mentioned this once before. Very, very ill back in 2015, and she came back to live with us for a while. And um, one of the things that was really helpful for her is she actually had a Do Not Disturb sign that she put on her door. Um, and we happen to have a very nice, fully functioning basement with a kitchen and a bathroom, and it's kind of like what we would used to call a mother-in-law apartment or whatever. But she'd put that on the door, and if it said, do not disturb, I mean, we honored that. And sometimes it would be, you know, for a day or two. Um, I mean, we knew she was fine. She was alive. She, you know, she was ill at the time, but she would check in with us. But, you know, she just really wanted to have that time I think not just alone, but so she felt more like an adult. 
That's interesting. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think some of us have that hard time of adjusting our parenting. You know, we're no longer the parent authority figure that we were when they were tiny, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We have these different phases that we walk through to the the coach relationship and to the friend relationship later on. And uh, each one of those steps, um, we're supposed to be stepping back. (laughs) I think we want to keep stepping forward and forward and forward. And that's where we get into trouble. Well, and I think the other place we get into trouble is not allowing kids to make their own mistakes. Because when they're younger, that's part of what you're doing as parenting. Not that you don't let them make mistakes, but um, you do try to protect them from things that could be, you know, have very significant long-term consequences. Let them make the mistakes that are, you know, the small things. But certainly, you know, like if you have a 15-year-old who's getting involved in drugs, of course you're going to step in and set limits and boundaries around that because that would have long-term consequences. But in young adulthood, kids are making so many decisions, big decisions about their lives. And the truth is they usually experience a lot of failures before they figure things out in terms of the kind of work they want to do or whether or not they want to go to college, what they want to major in. Good Lord, sometimes people, um, you know, change their majors eight times before, (laughs) before they finish. And there's that tendency of parents moving out of that parenting role, you know, when you are supposed to be kind of not saving them and rescuing them, but certainly rescuing them from any major harm that could be done. And in young adulthood, you need to allow certain things to happen, and they may be very big failures for them, but they need to experience those on their own. They're old enough to make those choices, and they're old enough to pay the consequences of those choices. Now, again, I'm certainly not suggesting that if it's a child who's suicidal or a child who is, you know, getting hooked on drugs or something that you just ignore that. But there are some bigger issues that come along that they really need to wrestle with and figure out. Maybe they get jobs and maybe they fail at a few jobs. Maybe they get fired a few times. And they need to be able to have those kinds of failures to figure out what do I need to do differently to succeed in the future. And they, I, I would just add, um, they need that encouragement to know that it's normal to fail. Right. And uh, maybe right. even stories from their parents of things that happened to them in, in early life. And I yep. just remember my dad used to always say parenting adult children was way harder than parenting little kids. And <laughs> um, <laughs> and and sometimes, you know, those mistakes that we make as parents. Uh, as parents of of adult children uh-huh. um can even last into when you when you become elderly and and it's time for those uh-huh. children to take care of you i've seen that happen yeah. where there's tension still there so this is a critical time of parenting and learning how it to do it is. well and i would totally agree with your father and say that most parents i talk about in this day and age are saying i never expected this part of parenting to be harder than the first part and i think it's because there are so many things that have changed i know that my mom probably would not have said that because we were out at 18 out on our own but we did not have the stressors that a lot of the kids today have we didn't have 
issues. I mean, it was fairly easy to support yourself financially because it was really cheap to live. That's not the case anymore. We weren't influenced by social media. The kids of today are. There's so much stress and strain going on in this generation of kids that almost everyone who has adult children, they're dealing with at least one who is really struggling in some way, either with mental health issues or physical issues or struggling to you know, begin to be able to have a, a job that allows them to live independently. Those kinds of things are so much harder to attain for this generation. So I agree. I, um, I feel like I have two very healthy children, um, but they have struggled in many ways in their adult life in ways that I didn't struggle. And, and I can definitely see that it's not because I was better or more mature. It's because I didn't have the same kinds of difficult issues to deal with that they have today. Mm. Wow, Joni, thank you so much. You're hearing the voice of Joni DeBrito kind of walking us through the empty nest phase and how you approach marriage and parenting once the kids are out of the home. Joni, thank you so much for this wonderful advice here on Mornings with Tom and Tavi. 